It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. What a piece of that championship. Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. I'm PJ. Thanks again for checking us out. You can check out all our past episodes if you're still in the draft mode with your league. We've got a lot of great information for you depending if you're auction, keeper league, maybe some guys in the deeper rounds you're looking at determining who I should pick or not. Some good stuff in there as well. And this episode, we are getting you ready for week one. Yes, you daily fantasy players looking at some DFS values and maybe the guys that are worth the big bucks to spend on your roster this week to help you win. And once again, we are joined with NFL writer Rotowire Corey Smith. And Corey, let's get right into it. Yeah, we want to start with those values, especially at the quarterback position, because if we can get that, then we can spend up a little bit more on running back and wide receiver. And let's start it off with Big Ben coming back from the injury and this matchup against the Giants here. You're really liking that for a value in week one, aren't you? I do see him as a bargain, and we've discussed if you can get a quarterback at a deal, that's one position to go and save your cash for running backs and a big you know, number one receiver. So Big Ben, of course, last year virtually missed the entire season after the Steelers got whooped on Sunday Night Football to kick off the season against New England. But in 2018, we forget he was the third best quarterback in fantasy football. Yeah. On the other end, you think about what the Giants are dealing with. you got a first-time head coach, abbreviated offseason, and we've got just 14 padded practices. Bill Parcells, of course, is you know, an eternity ago. But when Bill Parcells took over his first season with the Giants, he said he had 50, 5-0, 50 padded practices before his first game. Judge just 14. I, I see that as... <laughs> yeah. A mismatch. We got these new pieces coming in. We got Logan Ryan coming in. We've got young guys up front, brand new head coach, and just 14 padded practices. I can see this being disorganized on the back. And I just think Ben Roethlisberger can really pick apart this giant secondary. We've talked about him. Yeah. They bring in Logan Ryan on a one year deal, but otherwise, they are really depleted in the back. And, yeah, you would think this is going to be a prime matchup for Big Ben. And at that price he's going at, that's a good start. If you can get him around. 5900 6000 I see them. That was a pretty good deal on a $50,000 budget. For the Giants, we know they've got their second-round pick, Xavier McKinney, out at safety. He was a big piece of their secondary. DeAndre Baker, of course, on the exempt list. Uh, he was going to be a starter in his second year out of Georgia. Sam Beal, he opts out for COVID. Uh, Julian Love, he had a solid rookie season last year, but, again, just a second-year player. James Bradbury, a starting corner, he's okay. He doesn't exactly move the needle. I really think that this is a matchup. If you're trying to save at quarterback, Big Ben is a guy you can plug in week one. If you're willing to take a little bit of risk with the elbow injury, but all signs indicate that he should be throwing the ball pretty well right now. Now, what if you want to spend uh, in your quarterback position? Because, yeah, traditionally you like to save and then uh, save it for the rest. But uh, if you are spending up, who are you liking? I think that, of course, the man, the myth, the MVP, Lamar Jackson. That You're going to get him around 8000 on a 50000 budget, and that's a steep price to pay, but it, it may be worth it this week. Taking on the Browns, Jackson, three touchdown passes in each of his outings against Cleveland last year, also lit them up on the ground, put up practically 85 yards per game, his two games rushing against the Browns last year. So you expect him to pick them apart in both dimensions. They retain a lot of the secondary they had, Greedy Williams, he really did struggle last year. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. He's day-to-day. So going into week one, 
Yeah, Greedy Williams banged up. Of course, the rookie Grant Delpit, an expected starter at safety, he's been placed on IR with an Achilles injury. So that's going to put Andrew Sandejo, the 34-year, the 33-year-old safety, into the lineup. Uh, that's just I, I don't picture that yeah. going well. Him trying to chase down Lamar Jackson. I think this is a decent matchup for Jackson. He he picked apart the Browns last year, fantasy wise. They're depleted in the secondary. And they've got a first-year defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, who in Denver was pretty middle of the road, 22nd and 13th place finishes in scoring defense for his Broncos. Yeah, I mean, a first-year defensive coordinator, secondary injuries, and maybe just the best quarterback in fantasy, period. I, I think it's worth it this year, this week, Paul, to go for Jackson and spend up here. I could see it. And another one that might be worth uh, paying up a little bit more, you liking Russell Wilson this week? I like Hustle and Bustle this week. You're not going to have to go up to quite the price tag you'd have to go for Lamar Jackson. Russell coming in around 7000 this week. This guy is a top four fantasy quarterback over two of the past three years and a top four fantasy quarterback four of the past six years. So season long, just incredibly consistent. I consider him a second-tier quarterback in fantasy this year. He's not quite the upside of Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, but he's right in that mix with Prescott and Murray those guys this year. So he's in that second tier, and it's a really good matchup going up against the Falcons. They take A.J. Terrell out of Clemson with a first-round pick. He got lit up in the championship game against uh, Clemson by DeMar Chase. Now, you know, he's had time to digest that and develop and learn from veterans in the Falcons secondary. But if he's he's having trouble with Burrow and Chase and LSU in the championship game, and then he has to go up against Russell Wilson – and Metcalf and Tyler Lockett week one, I don't know, and he's not going to have a lot of help behind him. Keanu Neal, he's been a Pro Bowl player caliber guy at points of his career, but he's played just a couple games the last two years. So they've got their starting safety, Keanu Neal. He's hardly played the last two years. He's only played four out of 32 possible games the last two years since 2018. Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield are really young corners. They have 29 combined starts. So basically the Falcons are going to be starting – some really young corners, uh, safety who hasn't been able to stay on the field. And if he is on the field, who knows what speed he's going to be working at. I really like Russell this week. And what I think will be a pretty competitive game because Seattle going out east, we know they can play down to their competition. And I do think that Seattle is going to keep throwing against a pretty porous secondary of Atlanta. Now we're going to talk about those running backs. Yeah, who are we going to spend up? Because we do like spending on running backs. Uh, who do you like this week? Now, of course, there's the McCaffrey's of the world, and he's on the other end of this coin, but I do like Josh Jacobs, the Raiders' back, going against the Panthers, traveling east for a Sunday early tilt. It's a 1 p.m. Eastern kick here. Jacobs missed a few games last year because of a, a clavicle fracture, but he really was a workhorse during his time at Alabama. And last year, even with the three missed games, he still put up 242 rush attempts, which was 13th in the NFL. Also efficient on those carries. His 4.8 yards per carry average was tied with Christian McCaffrey for eighth best among all running backs with at least 120 carries last year. So lots of work, efficient with the work. Of course, you don't get the passing game, you know, involvement very frequently with Josh Jacobs. But I don't think that's going to matter this week, Paul, because that Panthers front, still a lot of question marks. we got Matt Rule coming in. He spends all seven of... Carolina's draft choices on the defensive side, but I think it's going to take some time for those guys to to come together. And last year, Carolina was just dreadful against the run. Dead last in yards per carry allowed, dead last in first yard runs allowed, 
and they gave up eight more touchdowns, eight more rushing touchdowns than any other team in the league last year. There were 31 wow. rushing touchdowns allowed was Carolina. So the price is right for Jacobs. I mean, you're going to decently spend up. He's going to be top six or seven among Sunday running backs, but it's a great matchup. I mean, those Panthers are still really young, and last year they were just horrific, horrific against the run. So Josh Jacobs, all go for week one. Another guy you like, uh, Todd Gurley. Now, some might say that's a tough matchup against Seattle's defense, but what are you thinking? It, it is on surface. Now, we had the report coming out last week in terms of Gurley's workload himself. Dirk Cutter did say their offensive coordinator in Atlanta. We expect Gurley to get 15 to 25 touches per game this season. If, <laughs> and the big if, yeah. Gurley remains healthy. Now, that's the big question, Paul. They've had him on a pitch count in training camp, so... I understand if there's some hesitation going girly here. And I don't like that 15 number. <laughs> Say 20 to 25. Yeah, I would like that a little bit more. Give me a nice round 20. Yes. This is a guy, he, he passed his physical. So, I mean, the doctors have checked him out. But, again, we've seen the issues with girly come up as the season goes along. So, towards the back end of the season, 2018 and 2019, when the Rams made it all the way to the Super Bowl, we saw C.J. Anderson take 49 care, sorry, 49 touches during the postseason to Todd Gurley's 34 touches. So during that Super Bowl run, C.J. Anderson got 15 more touches during the playoffs than did Todd Gurley. So that shows me as the season wears along, we become more worried about Gurley. So here, why I'm a little bit alleviated with the stress is, okay, he's coming off rehab. He's had the whole summer to recuperate. They've got him on a pitch count, so... Week one, I'm feeling okay about his body holding up. And the matchup, now we know that the Seahawks have that same defense, but it's really not the same defense that has been, especially up front. According to Pro Football Focus, the Seahawks have literally the worst-rated defensive line in the entire NFL. No more Jadavion Clowney. The analytics guys have this Seattle front four as literally the 32nd-ranked team at a 32nd defensive line. And I think that Gurley has a chance. I mean, 6100 isn't cheap. That's the price he's going to take. But if I can slot him in as my number two back or a cheap number one back and then beef up at receiver or maybe go Lamar Jackson at quarterback, something like that, I do think it's a pretty good matchup for Gurley this week against the Seahawks. And there's one more back you're looking at that could be a pretty good mid-range value. Who's that? Now, just a little bit down the board from Gurley. This may be the best value of the week here at running back. Mostert, he's still technically the hot hand in the Shanahan backfield. Going from last year's playoffs, we hope that he carries into this season because we can't, we can't deny that there is a risk in taking a, a running back who plays for Kyle Shanahan. Now, yes. you got to admit that off the front, Paul. I mean, that, that's baked into this price here, I think. That's been a family tradition that they like to frustrate fantasy owners for about 20, 30 years now. They love to do it. Alfred, yeah. whoever it is, they will sign guys over the years. Different Some names, guy off the teams. street they'll sign and put him in the lineup that week. They'll find him. They'll sign him Saturday night. You won't even know. Yes. won't even get the update. Yeah. Look, last, last year during the postseason, Mostert had 19 touches per game. So he was definitely involved during that postseason run. He had at least 58 rushing yards in all three of those games. He blew up against the Packers, of course with 220 yards, and he put up five total touchdowns during the playoffs. So, okay, I mean, he was a flash in the plan, flash in the pan during the playoffs. All right, but this success does span back to the second half of last year. Weeks 13 to 17, 
Raheem Mostert was the eighth best back in standard scoring. He was the tenth best back in PPR. And he's still going in the range of guys like David Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell and Devin Singletary. I really prefer going the route of Mostert season long and definitely week one over those options. And you look at the matchup here against the Cardinals. This is a pretty sure bet. Now, they've added a few pieces here, but teams could definitely run on them. They add, they add Devondre Campbell, who's a you know serviceable linebacker, if not a little bit better. They add Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson with a top 10 pick. It's going to take time for those guys to acclimate, and this was a bad defense against the run last year. Bottom 10 in terms of rush rate. Teams ran at them at the 10th highest rate, and I think that this is going to be a game where the 49ers are favored by the fourth largest differential of the whole week. It's expected to be one of the bigger blowout, not quite a blowout, but one of the larger margin games. So I could see San Francisco pounding the rock in the second half against a team that has proven not that great against the run in Arizona. Up next, we're going to get the wide receiver position. And, you know, this has been a trend for years. You always start a receiver that goes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Uh, especially that secondary, they're they're terrible. They have been. I don't know if Tom Brady can play defense and help them out or not this year or not, but you're really liking Michael Thomas spend the big bucks for the big guy this week. Now, we have to pick one of these. I mean, we probably can't go with Lamar and Thomas just because what it'll yep. do to our running back position. But maybe if we go with Roethlisberger and we go Thomas, we can still get a pretty good RB1. It is a good matchup this week if you feel like spending up on receiver. Thomas, of course, the highest-priced receiver on the board, understandably so. Now, overall, this Bucks defense, they got a lot better last year. They were the number one rush defense in the NFL. Of course, rush defense doesn't mean a whole lot in today's NFL, but still, they improved in that regard. And overall, under Todd Bowles, they played a little bit better in the secondary. When going against Mike Thomas, it really didn't matter, though. I mean... He had 19 catches for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns in two games against the Bucks last year. Yeah, sign me up for that. They <laughs> pretty much are retaining most of the secondary they had last year in Tampa Bay. They still got Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Mike Edwards is going to be starting. And Sean Murphy Bunting, the guy they've had for a couple of years, he's working more into a role. So it's a lot of the same characters for Tampa Bay on the back end. And I think that Thomas is a good bet to be the number one receiver this week and be worth that $9,000 price tag. Now, wide receiver, we're also, you know, we're always looking for values here because we're spending big on running back and, and whatnot, and we're trying to bank on some guys. So who are some good values at wide receiver? Well, one here off the top is a receiver for our quarterback pick or one of our quarterback picks. It's Marquise Hollywood Brown for the Ravens. All in all, a guy who is a better standard threat than a PPR receiver. But we can get him here for week one at a good DFS price of just 5100 And a lot of that has to do with how cold he was over the latter half of last season. He was a top 35 receiver for the first 10 weeks. He was outside the top 60 weeks 11 through 17, so a big drop-off for him. But we did, if this encourages you here, we did see him come alive in the playoffs against Tennessee, surely in a losing effort, but seven catches for 125 yards on 11 targets. He was highly involved in that game against Tennessee. And again, we've got no Delpit for the Browns. Brady Williams was banged up and really not super effective in 2019. So the receiver matchups for Baltimore are favorable. And Brown, you like the usage. He played 80% of the snaps the first time these teams squared off last season. So heavily involved when they played last year against the Browns. It was a game the Browns surprisingly won. 
and I think that the Browns can keep this game pretty close. Uh, it's currently a nine-point line, which oh, is wow. certainly substantial. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I think that Baker has a ton to prove. We'll see how Stefanski comes in week one. I mean, a new coach week one in this offseason. But I think the Browns can keep this game pretty close. Keep the Ravens throwing. We know they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball if they can in the second half. I think the Browns can keep this game competitive. Marquise Brown and him were getting a big play guy. Thirteen point four yards per catch last year, combining the regular season and the postseason, and seven touchdowns despite it being kind of a shaky year. Seven touchdowns for the rookie last year. That was two more than any receiver that Baltimore had. If I'm going to plug in a number three receiver or a flex, I really like the value we can get here with Hollywood Brown against the Browns. And at tight end, you're saying spend the big bucks and get uh, George Kittle this week. Spend up. And again, a combo maneuver. Yep. We're going, this would be, you know, we go Ben, we go Gurley, Brown, and go big on Kittle here. 7,200 against the Cardinals. But, man, this this is the matchup here, even more so than most of with the running backs. You love this one for Kittle yep. at tight end just because how bad the Cardinals were against tight ends last year, Paul. It was off the chain. I mean, we saw it time and time again. This was a matchup you wanted to take advantage of last year in the Cardinals. Yeah, any tight end you found on the waivers or anyone that was going against the Cardinals, I know that was the strategy. If if your tight end's not playing good, whoever's playing the Cardinals, grab them if they're out there, and uh, you'll have a good week, and it was proven right. Now we've got the best tight end in fantasy going up against virtually the worst tight end defense here. As you mentioned, we love going up against the Cardinals, 31st in catches allowed last year to tight ends. By that, I mean the second most catches allowed to tight ends. The most receiving yards, a lot of tight ends, most yards per target, highest catch rate, and the coupe de gras ball. This is the piece here I love. They gave up 16 passing touchdowns to the tight end position last year. The <laughs> second worst team in the NFL only gave up 10, so six more than the 31st ranked team. I'm certainly saying spend up. I've, I've mentioned Thomas, I've mentioned Jackson. We've got to move these in and out, but if you're going to go up at tight end this week, you love it with Kittle going against the Cardinals. Well, then I guess I'll start Nick Foles as my quarterback and then get all these guys. We could do that. We could, <laughs> no, we want to start Nick Foles. We can get real crafty here. And then another bargain at tight end uh, this week, uh, Tyler Higby, you like it? Tyler Higby, a little bit of a more of a bargain deal than Kittle, of course, and he's going to be taking on the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Higby coming in at a price tag around 6000 6, this week. Teams, tight ends, lit up the Cowboys last year. They went seven games without Van Der Esch. I'll give them that. And they also, going into this year, they're losing Jeff Heath. So I can, you know, make up a little bit of an excuse for them missing their best linebacker last year. But this year, they're also going to be losing their safety as they get Van Der Esch back. And you just look at Higby's production overall the latter half of last season, weeks 13 to 17. He was the number one fantasy tight end. Not only was he the number one fantasy tight end, Paul, weeks 13 to 17, he had four and a half more points per game than Kelsey as the number two tight end. So just far and away, dominant numbers. I'll give you, it is a short, it is a small sample size, like five or six dominant games. Like, am I going to bank my fantasy season at tight end on Higby? Am I going to bank my week one DFS roster on Higby? I think it's the real deal. I mean, he, he literally became, the first, he made tight end history with a certain number of catches and 100 yards per game. He did that for four or five straight games, literally made tight end history. And he also averaged 11.2 targets per game 
weeks 13 to 17. So he was very involved. The Cowboys just did not address their defense either. They go C.D. Lamb with the first-round pick. I don't know. This is not a Super Bowl defense to me. And Higby, they've proven they've, they've struggled to cover the tight end in Dallas. Higby looks to be the real deal to me. So if we're going to stay on tight end, I love Higby. Sunday night football against the Cowboys here. And defense special teams, uh, who are you like in uh, one of the top uh, ones off the board this week? We'll round it out here, and we'll take advantage of Crazy <laughs> Eyes Gase, and we'll take advantage of the Jets clown show going on in Florham Park right now. The Bills, I think, are a pretty good deal at 3,700. Uh, going on the road, the Meadowlands to take on the Jets. We've mentioned everyone out of the lineup virtually at receiver. Not everyone, but half the guys are out of the lineup yeah. for the Jets at receiver, and it wasn't a great group to begin with. So a disadvantage there going up against the stacked Bill secondary led by Tredavious White and Poyer. And also, you know, this is kind of a high-ceiling option, Paul, because the over-under from Vegas for this game is 40.5 points. It's the lowest of all Sunday afternoon games. <laughs> Tell me, if we get even a little bit burned and the Jets come out a little bit hot, it's, it's pretty – Pretty darn unlikely that this is going to be a shootout here. So if we get burned, I mean, that, yeah. that is really unexpected here. So it's a low-risk option with the Bills. But this was the second-best scoring defense from last year in Buffalo. McDermott has this team running on all cylinders. And they can get after the quarterback. Six in sacks last year, number four in pass defense. That's tight coverage. That's suffocating pressure. And that is a bad combo for Donald without, you know, really proven receivers. So... I love the Bills here. You know, we don't really talk defense a lot. We under we overvalue the defense a lot in fantasy. But, yeah, if we're going to talk defense, I think the Bills is a good choice for this week against the Jets. Yeah, Bills-Jets always seems like a 9-3 or like a 13-6 final. I mean, they always have ugly scores. They got ugly scores, so <laughs> low risk. But this Bills defense, man, this is, this is the real deal. And borderline top five defense, just like the Vikings. Maybe not as many household names, but they've been growing that thing, and it's, it's a good defense in Buffalo for sure. And once again, going over those DFS values for week one, getting you ready. Corey Smith, again, good stuff uh, going on at uh, Rotowire. What do you got? Well, for whatever kind of fantasy player you are, if you're quote-unquote serious fantasy player or someone who's just trying to beat your boss, it doesn't matter. Rotowire is a great site for fantasy resources. We've got constant news and updates. Like, I'll be ready to write an update. I see something come out, and it's already done. So it's up to the minute updates, rankings. And one thing I really love about this site for DFS, you can do the lineup optimizer feature. So, Paul, say you're really high on a certain couple of players, and you really want McCaffrey, you really want Robert Woods, and you really want Kittle in your lineup, you can lock those three guys in, and it'll run an algorithm to basically get you the best value to fill the other slots in your lineup. Wow. So that's a very cool tool that they have. And yeah, I just really recommend Rotowire as a good resource for fantasy players. Thank you once again, Corey Smith, NFL writer, rotowire.com. And again, great stuff as always to get you ready for this season. Our next episode, yep, we're getting ready for it, week one. So you probably have your roster for the most part figured out at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, who you're starting week one, because obviously we haven't seen anything, and unlike preseason and everything like we had in past years, we have absolutely no idea how this is going to go. Maybe the toughest decision you have right now, probably the flex position. So we're going to be focusing on some of those players, some of those matchups that, uh, yeah, you might have that tough call to make. Maybe you want to slide them or punch them. We're going to cover all that. And if you have any questions, 
questions, sit start questions for week one. We'd love to address those as well. You can send them to us at our Twitter page at Draft That Guy. And yeah, again, we would love to answer those questions and help you out with those tough decisions all season long. So again, that's at Draft That Guy and look for those questions there as well. Thanks again for checking us out. Fantasy Football Zone. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at Draft That Guy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.